I think I'm falling in love with the moon. And in Seattle, we don't see the moon that often because, you know, for about nine months it rains. But August is the month for the moon all the time. I'm Jordan Kistner, author of the essay collection Thin Places, and this is Thresholds, a weekly series of conversations with writers and artists about moments of epiphany or transformation that changed their lives and their work. A moment that they stepped across, like a threshold, into something new, and the way that experience changed everything they wrote afterward. Hi, Drew. Hi, Jordan. Happy August. It's so hot. It's so hot. I just, (laughs) I wake up. And I'm sweating. And that's an unpleasant way to wake up. I know. In February, we're going to be longing for this day. But <laughs> Isn't that always Right the now, way? it's just really hot. Um, uh, I am happy to be on the... I was about to say to be on the phone with you. We're not on the phone. Uh, I'm happy to be on the <laughs> horn with you uh, for yet another end notes, yet another wrap-up. Indeed. Um, we've done another. We've done another. This is a... I really loved this these sort of last five episodes that fell into a group of their own. We didn't necessarily steer a, you know, uh, steer our way into this group of episodes with an underlying thematic thread in mind, but Mm -hmm. there was, but it was a very cool thing where one really emerged as I'm sort of thinking back, starting with Ashley Ford talking about her, memoir of her childhood through Lydia Conklin and Crystal Hannah Kim and Keith Gessen and then most recently Michelle T. It really feels like we had a month and a half of conversations about family and becoming yourself in a family and trying to figure out how to be yourself around your family. (laughs) 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 And it was, uh, and I, I loved it. Yeah, me too. It, I didn't realize how much I kind of needed it, too. It, it was nice to hear all of these different people talking about their family experiences in ways that sometimes look similar to mine and often looked totally different. But sort of there was a unifying aspect to it of like, oh, right, we all have families. They're all kind of <laughs> annoying sometimes. But like, also, we love them, you know, yeah. as simple as that sounds. Yeah. I mean, I, I really keep thinking back in some ways to parts of my conversation with Crystal, where she was talking about her novel, If You Leave Me, and wanting to really capture the feeling of unknowability mm-hmm. within a family where there's so much intimacy, and yet it's sort of impossible for you know a daughter to ever really know her mother or uh, a sibling to ever really know their sibling. And that it just kind of kept reverberate. Like I felt like that came up again in our conversation with Keith about anger and realizing like, oh, there are things about myself that I didn't know. And how do I want my children to know me? And again, with Michelle last week, her talking about like discovering in herself the intensity of this desire to be a parent Mm -hmm. and, and her the intensity of her desire to bring all of herself, especially her queerness into that process. It just, I don't know, it's given, it's, it's been a really exciting and kind of lovely set of things to be reflecting on, at least for me. Yeah. And it was fun to watch it come together. Like we, as you said, we definitely didn't plan this one in the way that we have planned some others and it's, it organically grew, which is pretty cool. Huh. It happened. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
so as we wrap up uh, this this sort of group of episodes, we have a bunch of things that we kind of wanted to turn back to and people we wanted to check back in with. And one of them was uh, a part of the conversation with Crystal um, that we cut from the episode that we aired um, and and kind of intentionally saved for this because it was really interesting. It's It was a, a part of our conversation where she talks about the next book that she's writing and where she's at with it. And so we thought that would... Uh, that little sort of preview of the the coming soon um, of Crystal's book, which she just sold, so it is coming soon to us. Um, we thought we would air that air that here. So the novel is called The Stone Home, and it it examines state sanctioned violence and oppression in 1980 South Korea, uh, and it follows the experiences of a mother and a daughter and two brothers who are not related to mother and daughter um, who are kind of taken off the streets of South Korea in 1980 and put into a quote-unquote reformatory center. Uh, And the reformatory center is corrupt, and so these people are used for labor, uh, unpaid labor, and there are... um, a lot of abuses that happen in the institution. So it is about these characters and how their bonds are put to these difficult tests and how they have to either come together or uh, separate themselves from the group in order to survive. Uh, And it's based on a real part of South Korean history, where in the 1980s, uh, the the president slash dictator of the time wanted to kind of quote unquote clean up the streets because there was a homelessness problem, uh, and the the Olympics were coming up in 1988, and he wanted to clean up the image of South Korea, and so he sanctioned these secret reformatory centers. Uh, where they just kind of took these kids off the street and used them for labor. So that is um, what the novel is about. It's funny because I haven't yet, I've yet to articulate this all out loud. Um, but, you know, it, and you know, when you sell a book and people say, what is it about? I, this is my first time really fully articulating it aloud. So I hope that makes sense. <laughs> so I found out about this part of history. I think in 2017 or 2016, there was an Associated Press article about one of these institutions uh, called the Brothers Home in South Korea. And I read it and I was just horrified that this happened in in the 1980s. That is such recent history. And it actually reminded me of another reformatory center that I had learned about maybe a year or so Earlier, I had learned about this reformatory center that had been set up in South Korea during Japanese colonialization. Uh, And I thought that was such a strange history or lineage or um, repetition of history that an abuse that happened to the Korean people under Japanese occupation would then be repeated upon its own people. 
a few decades later. Uh, and I just could not stop thinking about those children and how there were many, many of these reformatory institutions throughout the country and um, how the Korean South Korean government would not acknowledge it. And the more I thought about it, the more I was my, I think like my awareness had been opened. And so I started noticing and reading articles of other institutions like this one happening all across our world. <laughs> um, you know, this happened with Indigenous people in Australia. It happened with Indigenous people in Canada. It happened with African Americans in in this uh, southern United States. So I just thought it was fascinating that, you know, in a hor- horrific way, that the idea of enforcing children into an institution to quote unquote change them was something that happened across time and culture and different countries. And that made me want to write about the South Korean institution. Mm. Did you wind up, did you interview anyone who had been in one of those institutions? Yeah. So I was in Korea in 2018 visiting family and I reached out to one um, a person who was, he's like a, he is a prominent activist in demanding that the South Korean government acknowledge and apologize for their role in, in creating these institutions. And so I had heard of him, uh, and I reached out to him and I interviewed him for a day and he, he was willing to share his experience with me. Wow. Oh my gosh, I can't wait for this book, Crystal. (laughs) Thank you. I'm, it just, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I, I, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I couldn't stop thinking about how cultures and have, and countries and communities have done this again and again, and how oppression is such a, it's such a part of our society. And what does that mean about our humanity that it happens and repeats across history? I thought that was so interesting. And it's a question that I don't, I think I'm driven by questions that I don't know the answers to. And so I just could not stop thinking about this institution. Do you feel like you got farther with the question through writing the book? Um, I don't know if I have an answer, but I, but it's, that is the question that drove me to write the book. Um, how, and it kind of transformed to how do individuals under state-sanctioned violence cope? Uh, and then I became interested interested in, you know, do you find community and come together or do you fall under the sociological phenomenon of the oppressed becoming an oppressor in sustained environments of violence, because that is something that happens and repeats across history too. And so I think the question kind of created more questions that I then followed. So we mentioned that it's hot right now because it is August and August is a 
surprisingly long month, sort of spiritually speaking, at least for me it is. Um, and as we were sort of talking about reaching back out to guests to come up with something fun to drop in, we thought we would ask about recommendations for how to do August. How do Threshold alums do August? Just whatever, broadly speaking. Yeah, whatever that might mean. What um, is your August strategy? So we reached out to Matilda Bernstein Sycamore to find out how she does August. Hi, it's Matilda Bernstein Sycamore. So usually the way I survive the heat is by going out in the sun and lying in the park and passing out. Now, passing out is the key because that's what rejuvenates me. But the sun, if I pass out in my bed in the middle of the day, I'm wrecked. If I pass out in the sun, it gives me energy, and then I can get up, and I have all these new dance moves that I've been practicing during the pandemic outside alone. Um, and I hope to um, try out these dance moves with other people at some point. But for now, I'm dancing in the sun on my own. Um, I'm trying to catch up with all my reading. I have these towers of books on my table. I'm looking at them right now. You know, it's like you pull a book off the tower and then, you know, it's possible that everything will fall. I'm reading this book um, called Pornea by Eduardo Koch that uh, Nightboat is publishing in October. And um, it's a book about um, the porn art movement in the early 80s in response to um, Brazilian dictatorship. And I, I, I really like this line in one of the poems in this book, uh, boring lit doesn't light my clit. And it makes me think about this question about whether can porn and sex and gender fluidity still challenge tyranny, or do they get absorbed so quickly that we don't have a chance? So I guess that's a question I've been thinking about. Um, <clears throat> But surviving August, so reading, dancing in the sun, um, and I guess, you know, I, I do find myself these days thinking a lot about the interlocking traumas of governmental neglect um, with the AIDS crisis, the COVID pandemic, and now monkeypox. Um, so I guess I could say that making those connections and feeling the trauma um, and not trying to shut anything off. Um, maybe that's another opening. Um, asking the questions that will allow us to connect in ways that are deeper and more um, fulfilling and more fluid and somehow. Oh, hello, it's Matilda. Well, I realized, I had thought before that that was a good place to end because I was about to get cut off. But then I realized I forgot the most important thing, which is the moon. I think I'm falling in love with the moon. And in Seattle, we don't see the moon that often because, you know, for about nine months it rains. But August is the month for the moon all the time. So just the other night, I was walking downhill, and I saw the half moon resting on top of all the new high-rises 
downtown, and I thought, well, there's finally a reason for those high-rises. And then the next night, there she was again, up in the sky, and they were all, you know, the light of the moon was outshining the light in all of those high-rises. So the moon. And one last thing is, of course, picking blackberries um, from the ones that are kind of like growing out of the grass, uh, over a fence, above the highway, reaching through a spider web to get just the right blackberry that has been warmed in the sun. So we have the sun and the moon. And between those, hopefully, um, we'll survive. <laughs> Thank you. Cool. We also have so much news. I feel like more news than usual about really amazing things that Threshold alums are up to lately. And I will start with the relieving news <laughs> that Keith Gessen and his wife, Emily Gould, have found an apartment. We talked Woo! a little bit about the long apartment search uh, in our interview with Keith. And actually, they were both, Keith and Emily were both writing about the prospect of trying to find a new apartment for Curbed at New York Magazine and just what a mess New York real estate is right now. And they found one. So congrats to Keith. We're happy I'm, for you. <laughs> I'm sorry to lose that exceptionally riveting reading in New York Magazine, but I'm so yeah. happy that they finally, it, I'm, the stress that I felt has now been released. <laughs> Good. Um, Susan Orlean is starting a new podcast. Um, the folks at Song Exploder have decided to do Book Exploder. And Susan's going to be the host. I'm very excited to listen to it. Yeah, can't wait. Um, I also just sort of want to salute something. It's a joke series that Kristen Arnett has been doing on Twitter. I don't know if she is thinking of it as a, a structured joke series, but it feels like almost once a day she makes a joke on Twitter that starts, I'm going to start a bar and name it XYZ. And it is hysterical. It makes me laugh out loud every time. And so I don't know if this is uh, if this counts as a writing project from Kristen, but I am experiencing it that way. And I wanted to recommend that folks go check that out. Kristen Arnett. Ross Gay has a new book coming out later this year. It's out October 25th. It's I can't called wait. Inciting Joy Essays. Like, yes, what more do you need to know? Yeah, um, I have to. Don't don't be jealous, Drew. But a copy mm. came to my house and I've started reading it. And uh. it is. <laughs> I do feel more joyful. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can pre-order it. You should pre-order it. You should pre-order anytime you hear about a book that you love. You should pre-order it. Yeah, that really helps uh, the author and the book. Greg Pardlow has a new poem in the current issue of the Paris Review. So, congrats to, to Greg. It's a really beautiful poem. Our friend Alex Kleeman's latest book, "Something New Under the Sun," has just come out in a shiny new paperback edition. Uh, so for your beach reading, much easier to tote around if you haven't read it already. Yeah. And then lastly, we just wanted to shout out Michael Denzel Smith's podcast, which is also a Lit Hub podcast and is great. It's called Open Form. And he talks to other writers about movies that they're obsessed with. I got to do one with him a long time ago now, kind of when he was first starting it. Um, but it's just it's he has amazing guests and they kind of get uh they get to geek out about a movie that they love uh so open form with michael denzel smith on lit hub we recommend it 
just about it uh, for this EndNotes, but we also have sort of a, a, a small announcement, which is that Thresholds is going to be taking a summer vacation. Which summer we- vacation! <laughs> we forgot to take any vacations last year, so we're trying to... <laughs> uh, and we're going to take the next couple of weeks off to rest and recharge and make big plans for the fall and winter. Um, and and we thought we would leave you with some summer reading, Rex. Drew, yeah. what are you reading on vacation? So I... There's a, another podcast that I work on called Voyage Into Genre, and I have had the unexpected pleasure of learning that I like romance novels. But <gasps> specifically, I like what Alexandra Rowland told me uh, is called fealty and feelings romance, What's which that? is, it's more or less exactly what it sounds like. It's sort of like usually fantasy, usually dealing with uh, obviously like a, a romance plot, but then also like political intrigue. Um, mm. And I read, I read two of these that I am, one of them uh, is already out. The other comes out at the end of August. But Foz Meadows wrote a book called A Strange and Stubborn Endurance. Great title. Uh, and Alexandra Rowland wrote a book called A Taste of Gold and Iron. Also a great title. And both of these, I really, I, I never would have picked them up had I not sort of had to do it for this show. And I loved them both so much. And now I'm kind of like, okay, I think, I think this is a thing that I enjoy reading. Oh my gosh, congrats cuz it's it's like a huge world of book you've you've opened up like thousands of new books to to enjoy for yourself. There's it's such a big genre. I told my sister and she was like, "Oh, for the first time truly since we were children, I get to recommend you some books that I know you haven't <laughs> read." And I was like, "Great, I can't wait." <laughs> That's great. What about you? I so I just did like a I had such an amazing reading experience this week um with a book that is not out yet but I'll I'll tell y'all about it uh so you can go pre-order it. It is out in November, I believe, and it is a threshold alum as well. Lynn Steger Strong has a new book mm. coming out called Flight. Mm. And I happened to see Lynn uh a week ago and she gave me a a review copy of the book and I started it and I just had one of those experiences where I kept like, I like had house guests and kept sneaking away to go read this book. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> it was not, not ideal socially speaking, but it was really, I love when that happens when I'm just like, I don't want to do anything except see what's going on with these characters in this book. Um, oh, yes. And it is funnily enough, it's also a book about family and it, and it captures really well. I think the thing we were talking about at the top of this episode about just like the messiness and the the beauty of being part of a family unit and mm. the, no, the you know the intimacy and unknowability of everyone in a family unit to each other and it's it's sort of um it, it circles around a group of siblings who are gathering for the first holiday since their mother passed away and it's it's just so good so uh definitely go pre-order that it's called flight by Lynn Steger Strong and uh and then the other thing that i'm i'm thinking about uh i was i was really inspired by um marie marie helen bertino's advice to like choose one author mm-hmm. to kind of do a little course in um and i 
this is maybe not uplifting, but I am have decided to do that with the works of Virginia Woolf, who oh, I feel like I've done that. Oh, it's oh yes, I can't. Oh, oh really? Can't okay, yeah, great. Um, I am starting with her diaries, and then I'm going to go back through her fiction, which I, you know, I've read much, most of in sort of piecemeal here and there. Mm-hmm. But I feel like maybe, I feel like maybe there's something about her work that I'm like ready to think about again or wanting to think about again. Um, so right now I'm, uh, about to start Orlando again. Mm. And I'm also, um, reading the, the really wonderful Hermione Lee biography of Virginia Woolf. Oh, cool. Um, which is, which is fascinating in its own right. It's like a doorstop. It's enormous, but it's really, really interesting. So that's going to be my summer reading project while we're on vacation. Oh, I love that. She was the first author who I realized coming back to an author's work as you get older will change how you feel about the work, the author and yourself. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping for multivalent transformation. (laughs) (laughs) Should we all be so lucky? Yeah. So, uh, you know, low key, small goals, (laughs) multivalent transformation during the summer vacation. And uh, we'll uh, we'll be seeing you on the other side. uh, Changed people. Fresh pencils, fresh notebooks, new school year. Ready for fall. Until then, um, we hope you guys stay really well and stay cool and uh, have a lot of good books that you get through. Bye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) You sound like Kermit the Frog when you do that. (laughs) It's like, it's so, there's no way for me not to sound. I feel, I'm like, I'm going to be cool this time. And it just never happens. You know, it's okay. It's okay. (laughs) Bye! Thresholds is produced by Drew Broussard. Music and editing by Laura Faye Oshimud of Arthur Moon. Our art is by Lorelai Grossman. Special thanks to Justin Alvarez and our hosts at LitHub Radio. You can find out more about our show, listen to past episodes, and get in touch at our website. This is thresholds.com. If you're listening to this on a podcast platform and you haven't already subscribed, please subscribe. Or you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you normally listen, and subscribe and review us there. Thanks. We'll see you next week.